Are you working? What kind of work do you do? You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik. Giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. All right, welcome into the show for this Tuesday evening. I'm Aaron Kurulnik, Al's brother behind the glass. He'll be joining us in just a moment. And what a weird week it was in Week 12 of the National Football League. And I suppose with coronavirus raging across basically every continent, city, state, province, across the world, we shouldn't be surprised that the National Football League is dealing with this situation and dealing it with it head on. You think about what happened with the Denver Broncos starting Kendall Hinton at quarterback, a practice squad wide receiver. And we know the result of that game. The New Orleans Saints dismantled the Denver Broncos. And we think about what happens or what's going to happen tomorrow night. We think, or tomorrow afternoon, I should say, we think it'll be the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens, a game that has already been moved, postponed three times. And we're excited to see what happens tomorrow afternoon at 340. And uh, I think that'll be a quality game. I know the spread, 10 points in favor of the Steelers, which is not much of a surprise considering how many Baltimore Ravens have been ruled out with coronavirus, including Lamar Jackson or COVID exposure, I should say. But let's start off with what happened over the course of the weekend from a gambling perspective in totality. And if you're wondering why there's so much opulence in the city of Las Vegas, all the lights and the money and how it feels like it's such a place where wealth resides. Well, the reason is weeks like this past one. And let me run you through how crazy it was for Las Vegas in terms of making money. And the sports books killed it this weekend to an extent I'm not sure they've ever seen before. Let me run it through you. Run, run it through for you. More than 80% of public bets were on the Las Vegas Raiders, minus three points, who lost by 37. The New York Giants, minus six points, who won by only two. The Cleveland Browns, minus six and a half, won by only two. The Cardinals, who were minus one and a half, lost by three. And, of course, that brings us to last night. The Seattle Seahawks, who failed to cover the six and a half points after a miracle Miracle Hail Mary touchdown from Carson Wentz to Richard Rodgers and the subsequent two-point conversion had the Philadelphia Eagles lose by just six points. And with that, we bring in Al's brother, who I know was on the losing side of that whole ordeal. And Al's brother, did you think about quitting gambling after you saw what happened to your wager last night? That was disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. That was one of the worst beats in, in recent history, I think. The fact that that game was over. It was, it was what, a 14-point game. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks had just you know kind of solidified it by kicking a field goal with just over a minute left. And then you give the ball to Carson Wentz. And something that's not really being talked about a lot here is whatever happened to the Eagles saying that they were going to be giving snaps to Jalen Hurts. You're down by 14 with like a final two-minute drill. Would that not be a good chance, a good time to, to get your your quarterback of the future, possibly some reps at QB? No, instead, they leave it in the hands of Carson Wentz. He throws up a Hail Mary, just a prayer. It gets batted down, but oh, there's Richard Rodgers and uh, Corral's <laughs> one. And then the Seahawks just decided not to even try on the two-point convert, let him just walk right into the end zone, and that was the difference of millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. And, and my feelings. Yeah, I, as I mentioned, the public was all over Seattle. All over. I believe I read that 91% of the handle in a couple of sports books were on the Seahawks minus six and a half. So that type of money shifting 
based on a meaningless two-point conversion is ironic. And on the subject of bad beats, Al's brother, it came to mind last night when I was watching that, and, of course, we were texting back and forth about how terrible it was. And this is not a gambling bad beat, but a fantasy basketball league I was in probably 15 years ago where I lost the field the sorry the free throw percentage category by like zero point zero one percent after Kenny Thomas of the Sacramento Kings missed six free throws at the end of a game in a row to cost me the championship. I'm sitting there refreshing on my computer. Kenny Thomas missed free throw one of one of one missed free throw two two and I'm just like oh my god am I gonna lose and he, the sixth one he missed in a row cost me a fantasy basketball championship so the bad beat last night i think it goes without saying a lot of betters were just crushed but i reflect back on my own bad beats and we all have them if you've been gambling on the nfl any sports long enough you understand the pain although although there is joy sometimes in in gambling on sports but the pain can be enough to bring you to your knees house brother oh yeah if you were on the eagles last night you are <laughs> just grinning ear to ear you showed up to work today and it was the best day of your life yeah and meanwhile 90 percent of the world of the betting world is just it's just doomsday it was terrible absolutely that's, that's why awful. we love it man the pain is so severe when you lose but when you win the glory tastes unlike anything else mike clay from espn actually a Philly, longtime Philly resident, and he grew up in the area, so he'll address everything with Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson, the future of that franchise, and we'll talk some fantasy with him as well. Luke Bellis from TSN Edge makes his debut on the program, one of the great contributors for TSN Edge so far in our existence. And in the final segment, you and I, house brother, we're going to kick around NFL MVP odds because I've been listening to Overdrive. Brian Hayes making a strong case for Aaron Rodgers. I think he's on to something. And if he decides to place a wager and I can direct him to the place to do it, he can make a pretty penny off of betting on Aaron Rodgers to win the MVP. But let's look ahead to tomorrow night, tomorrow afternoon. I don't know why I keep saying tomorrow night. 3.40 p.m., the Ravens and the Steelers expected to kick off the finale of Week 12 on a Wednesday. I don't know if this is the first Wednesday game. I can't recall one uh, ever happening. Can you? Six days after the kickoff was supposed to happen. Six days later. How do you push back a game nearly a week? This is insane. If I would have told you a year ago from now, December 1st, 2019, that one year from now, the... Baltimore Ravens would be 10-point dogs in a Wednesday night game against the Steelers where kickoff is at 340, you would tell me to lay off the bottle. Uh, absolutely I would. And keep in mind, Ben Roethlisberger barely played at all last year. He was coming off that Tommy John surgery, and Lamar Jackson looked like he was the best quarterback or one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And we're not going to see Lamar. And I know you have... Uh, the details on who we can expect to see with Baltimore. Can you run us through who will be there and who won't be there? Yeah, so the starting quarterback, like you said, Lamar Jackson out, so it's going to be RG3. Uh, the running backs who were on the COVID list, so that's J.K. Dobbins and uh, Mark Ingram, have technically come off of the COVID list but are not... Uh, they are still questionable to play tomorrow, so that one's still up in the air. They don't have a single tight end on their active roster, so they're going to have to promote somebody at the practice squad. And our boy, Canadian Luke Wilson, I believe, on oh, the practice squad. So Luke really Wilson. Really love Luke yeah, Wilson. Yeah, so he could end up in the spotlight tomorrow uh, afternoon. Willie Sneed is going to be out, so that's a, that's a big hit to the receiving core. Two starters on the offensive line going to be out, including the starting center, Matt Sakura. And then defensively, you got Kalias Campbell and John. 
Jihad Ward on the defensive line that are going to be out, and Clyde Campbell is going to be a massive miss, along with Matt Judon and Pernell McPhee as pass rushers. So that is pretty much the big guns that are going to be gone for the Ravens. But that's like, what? 10, 11, 12 starters yeah. off of that. I love the Ravens tomorrow, Al's brother. Oh love my. them. No, you love don't. Love the Ravens tomorrow. Here's why. Because I'm on the exactly, Steelers? That's why, isn't it? Well, that's that's number one. <laughs> but I think what we've learned in the past couple of weeks is that when the betting public is so heavy on one side, and we I, the, the teams that I detailed off the top, and I don't want to use that as the be-all and end-all when making a decision on a wager, because that would be the wrong way to look at it. But... Everybody's on the Steelers' tour. No one is giving the Ravens a chance. And the last time these two teams played, and you mentioned the issues with the offensive line, Mark Andrews, uh, the stud tight end won't be there, and I don't even know who the backups are, boy, Luke Wilson. Better be, get, better be ready to block because when the last time the Steelers and the Ravens played, Baltimore was able to amass more than 250 yards rushing. And that was a lot because of Dobbins and Ingram. You're going to see Gus the Bus Edwards worked in. If they're going to do anything tomorrow, it's got to be through the run game because RG3, who's quarterbacking that squad, without Willie Sneed, who you mentioned, who's been really good, maybe Marquise Hollywood Brown, probably the least appropriate nickname considering he has done nothing all year. This would be a good time to show up, Marquise. So you might want to do something for RG3, who's going to need all the help he can get. Yeah, definitely, and you mentioned it. Uh, I think Willie Sneed's going to be a much bigger miss in the run game than the passing game, to be quite honest with you, because he's a really physical receiver, and yeah. when he's out there on the boundary, you know, he bodies these corners and allows to open up lanes for those running backs, and he, if he's going to be out there, you're going to want Marquise Hollywood or Holly Dud Brown to be out there oh, nice. trying to get some oh, don't, don't try that one again. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, Bad for one. real, the, the, like, you, you got to hope that, I mean, Des Bryant, I guess, is probably going to see a big role for the Ravens in tomorrow's game. Maybe he yeah, can scary. take over that Willie Sneed role as as a boundary blocker, but you know, I, I don't I don't know. I, I don't see it. I know that you you talked about how successful they were running the football last time, but these are two totally different teams from what you're looking at a, a traditional Ravens roster with all their starters and what they're going to be putting on the football field tomorrow afternoon. And we always try to break down games with trends and statistics to support our arguments, but it's so hard with a situation like this in tomorrow afternoon's game because the lack of practice time, the uncertainty about who has been doing what during this six-day period. There's certain guys who've been in COVID protocol. What are those guys going to be able to provide on the field if you haven't practiced or worked out in six days? I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but professional athletes like myself and Al's brother, we understand the struggle it is coming off of a week without any physical activity, or in my case, many, many months. I'm Aaron Korolnik. He is Al's brother. We have a ton of quality content coming your way, starting with Mike Clay of ESPN, who's going to join us in just a few minutes. As I mentioned before, Mike, a Philadelphia resident, grew up in the area. Can't wait to get his thoughts on Carson Wentz and company. Are we good to go to break, Al's brother? All right, let's do it. We'll be back with Mike Clay. On the edge from this Tuesday evening, we stream live tsn1050.ca. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And one of the best parts about doing this job every Tuesday and Friday night is talking to some of my favorite people in the business. And one of them is on the line right now. He is Mike Clay, an ESPN NFL analyst fantasy he does it all and he joins us here on the edge right now what's up mike oh uh a lot <laughs> yes a lot 
just it's been uh, it's been a crazy season, honestly. I think this past week of uh, you know trying to keep up with all of the news and and tweaks and you know projection updates and rankings and my lineups and d- daily fantasy and you name it, whatever it is. I think it may have been the craziest seven day period uh, that I can remember. Just all kinds of things going on and. I mean, look at we're it's it's Tuesday evening, and I think it's Tuesday evening. I'm losing yep, track with all it, this it stuff is. going on. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and this and the week's not over yet. We still have another game on on Wednesday afternoon, not even Wednesday night, or you know, it's it's a, a Wednesday early or what late afternoon game. So uh, it's been a crazy ride, a lot going on, but uh, at least we get football, right? And not to mention the whole Taysom Hill saga from last week where he was eligible at tight end and there was uproar in the fantasy community about that because that shifted, I'm sure, many, many leagues. And maybe we'll get into Taysom Hill and the Saints and what's going on tomorrow afternoon between the Ravens and Steelers. But first, I know you grew up just outside of Philly in preparing for this interview and early in your career you wrote a bunch on the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm curious your take, Mike, about the state of the franchise with the quarterback, the coach, the general manager after what we saw last night and what we've seen for the entire season so far? Yeah, definitely major concerns. Uh, look, it, it's it's easy to think back to the Super Bowl run and think about how good Carson Wentz that season. Everything was running on all cylinders. But, you know, that seems to be the outlier, right? I mean, it seems like that's where he peaked and everything else has been, uh, you know, maybe mediocre at times, a little above average. But now... Uh, it's been it's been really really bad. He has not been able to overcome some of the issues they have along the offensive line and in terms of weapons. Obviously, it's one of the shakier situations in the league. But you know, good quarterbacks can overcome that to at least some extent, and uh, he has not been able to do that. The accuracy has been poor. Uh, the awareness uh, on the field has been poor, and just missing wide open players on uh, play after play after play. I mean, it's been super frustrating. Uh, to watch both as a, you know, again, I, I grew up in that area. I was a fan, and, and even as an objective analyst, it's hard uh, it's hard to watch them right now and, and feel like there's any hope of success going forward. So I hope they figure it out and, and turn it around because they have a lot invested in Wentz, and, and if he's not the, you know, not a competent quarterback, they're going to have problems for years. It's going to take a long time to get this, uh, this team back headed the right direction, but uh, I'm not sure they're going to be able to get a point in the right direction, at least this season, because of all the injuries and, and Wentz's issues just seem like something that you're not going to fix overnight. Mike Clay from ESPN is our guest here on The Edge. And on the subject of franchises and disarray, the Houston Texans, they've been playing well recently, but yesterday the announcement that Will Fuller, who's been a top 10 wide receiver in fantasy and certainly a, a guy that was bandied about as the trade deadline came closer, potentially going to the Green Bay Packers, he is done for the year after testing positive. And I'm curious to know how you think that's going to affect fantasy football going forward. Clearly a hit on Deshaun, on Deshaun Watson. And for owners of Will Fuller, are there any members of the Texans they can look to target? And how would you proceed from there? I think if you're in a deeper league and Kiki QT is still out there, you could take a shot there. I mean, there's a chance that as the number two, maybe he'll get to six, seven targets a game and could be a, you know, an option as a, maybe a flex, but you're not going to find anybody right now that has quite the upside of Will Fuller unless you're in a super shallow league. Uh, and honestly, I mean, QT, uh, the team hasn't really liked him, right? He's been there for a couple of years. Uh, as a rookie, he came in after missing some early time and spiked right away. I believe, I think in his first game, he had something like 10 targets and over 100 yards. And it looked like, wow, they found a gem. And then he just fell out of favor with the team and just really hasn't played uh, the last couple of years at all. 
uh, until now when he's kind of forced into duty by injuries to, to Randall Cobb and now the suspension for Will Fuller. And, of course, they cut uh, Kenny Stills, who was previously injured as well. So uh, we'll see if he's up to the task. Uh, I like him coming into the NFL. Uh, you know, he's kind of an undersized guy. He's primarily played in the slot. But, again, this is a Deshaun Watson offense. You know they could score a lot of points. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And QT, they don't, they don't really have a choice but to roll him out there in almost every single pass play. So he would be the guy I would take a flyer on. But uh, I'm not sure otherwise in most formats, like 10 and 12 team leagues, I'm not sure there's much else on this roster that you could be too excited about. So week 13 coming up, Mike. It's the final week of the regular season before the fantasy football playoffs begin. And in my experience, preparing for the playoffs in even week 12 and week 13 can be paramount to success in week 14, week 15, and ultimately in the championship. What advice would you give our listeners and and myself about how to prepare for the final weeks of the season to put yourself in the best situation to win your league? Well, uh, first of all, I mean, there's only two teams with a bye left, right? So depth is not quite as important. Now, normally uh, that's more of a concrete stance on my end, but right now with with the COVID stuff, obviously depth is a little bit more important uh, than usual because your players could just disappear from your roster for a week or two at any given point. So keep that in mind. But at the same time, look at the schedule, right? Especially if you're comfortably looking at a bye or – uh, you know you you basically have a playoff spot locked up. Look at the schedule and uh, try to figure out maybe where you could find some gems. You know, in a shallower league, maybe there's a, a good wide receiver, too, out there that has really good uh, matchups during the playoffs that could be of value to you. Uh, so I, I would definitely take a look at that. And on Twitter, I actually do post a uh, rest-of-season strength of schedule for each position, quarterback, running back, receiver, and tight end. And you can maybe use that to kind of find guys with good matchups and tough matchups. And if your trade deadline hasn't passed, which – uh, in standard ESPN leagues, it has, but you know every league is different. Maybe you could work a deal. You know, a guy. Uh, the last couple of weeks, I've been telling people to trade for is Allen Robinson because his schedule is unbelievably good the rest of the way. So if you find a way to get your hands on him, that could pay off. And we just saw that, of course, the other night he in his first good matchup against Green Bay, he scored two touchdowns. So uh, definitely take a look at the schedule and try to plan now. One of the teams on a bye this week is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady, you know, a ton of headlines surrounding one particular member of the team that joined the roster midseason. Of course, I'm talking about Antonio Brown, who has been underwhelming to say the least. There are a number of people, Mike, and you're well aware, who are thinking Antonio Brown could be a quality wide receiver, too, for you down the stretch. Are you still holding on to Antonio Brown if you're in a 10- or a 12-team league, or do you think it's time to cut loose? Yes, I am. Uh, and I was a little pessimistic about his potential fantasy production uh, when, when he joined, you know, even before he joined Tampa Bay, when we knew he was going to come back and sign somewhere. And, uh, you know, so far it hasn't been great. But at the same time, I thought I, before last week, I thought I was going to be wrong because the target volume has been so good against Carolina. In week 10, he had eight targets. And then week 11, he had 13 targets and was the number one uh, receiver on the team, but he only turned it into 57 yards. I know, I know Tom Brady missed him for a long touchdown, but again, uh, the efficiency hasn't been good. And then suddenly against the Chiefs, you see him drop all the way down to three targets. So, so I think that we've seen, you know, anytime a player gets 21 targets over a two game span, that's kind of a guy you want on your roster, even if they're not a starter, because if that sort of usage continues or picks back up in his case, it could turn into some serious fantasy production. And obviously this is a high scoring offense. So. Definitely keep him on your roster. And, and this kind of goes back to the question I just answered earlier about, you know, planning for the playoffs. Because 
you know, looking at the playoff schedule, the Buccaneers have the easiest schedule for wide receivers. So, you know, that's mm. music to the, the people who have Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, and certainly that could work out well for Antonio Brown. Now, after the three-point game he just put up, he might get dropped in your league. So if he, that happens, scoop him back up, and you might find yourself with a potential league winner here over the next three weeks. So uh, definitely, or four weeks, I guess I should say. So Brown, yeah, I would, I would, uh, I would hold out hope there. Mike Clay from ESPN is our guest. Let's talk about tomorrow afternoon and the Ravens and the Steelers, the 340 start. We believe that both Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins will play. We're not certain because they're ineligible to fly with the team based on the COVID-19 protocols laid out by the NFL. What are you expecting to see from the Ravens' offense without Lamar Jackson, without Willie Sneed, and with running backs that have been in COVID protocol for the last week? Yeah, I have big concerns. I mean, it's not like they're playing the Jets here, right? They're playing the only undefeated team in the NFL, the division rival Steelers, and they're, the granted the Steelers are missing a few players as well, but the Ravens are extremely shorthanded. Uh, you know, obvious, obviously RG3 hasn't made a ton of starts since he's re-entered the league. Remember, he was retired for a while, and then he came back, has been holding the clipboard in Baltimore here for a few years. So I, I do not have high expectations. I mean, Certainly from a fantasy standpoint, you're not going to start RG3 most likely. Uh, no Mark Andrews. You're not interested in the tight ends. It will probably be Luke Wilson and Eric Tomlinson, something like, like that, some sort of combination there. And then without Willie Sneed, I mean, you have Hollywood Brown, who we hoped would break out this season. That hasn't happened. Des Bryant, you're not feeling good about him so far, even though it looks like he's going to be their number two uh, wide receiver going forward, at least on the perimeter. Devin DuVarney, Miles Boykin. I mean, these are just not names that you like, even with, them at 100%. So uh, low expectations against one of the best defenses in the NFL. Uh, you know, if you, if you were holding out hope on Gus Edwards and he's your only option, you're just going to have to throw him in there. And, and maybe, you know, maybe Dobbins and Ingram won't play, but if they do, he's going to have a hard time reaching 10 touches in this game. But uh, you kind of made your bed by rolling with someone from this game, and we'll see what happens. Mike, I want to get you out of here with a conversation about the New Orleans Saints. And Taysom Hill was the talk of the NFL a couple weeks ago with pretty incredible performance through the air and on the ground. And last week, and I guess you can attribute it to game plan, we know the Broncos were starting a practice squad wide receiver at quarterback, but he was not very productive. Curious to know your thoughts on Taysom Hill as a fantasy option down the stretch, along with Alvin Kamara and Mike Thomas, who were undoubtedly affected by Taysom Hill's performance, good or bad. Yeah, so so far so bad for Alvin Kamara. We'll start there. The targets have not gone his way, and that's a concern. So uh, you have to wonder if they're going to talk about that this week, maybe in the meetings, and, and hope that they start to throw the football to Kamara and at least get him five, six, seven targets. Uh, he, they just haven't been there. And if that, if that doesn't happen, he's not going to be a good fantasy running back. And if, you start, if you've started in the past two weeks, you've obviously uh, seen that. But I still think you have to start him. Michael Thomas has seen a huge target share, so – uh, even though they're not throwing much, he could still get eight to ten targets. So he should be in lineups in a great matchup against Atlanta. Uh, and then as for Hill specifically, look, I, I'm he's ninth on my board this week in my in my ranking. So he's a borderline QB one. You feel like you ha- get a good floor from him because he runs the ball a lot, and that helps. He could get you 50 yards, maybe a rushing touchdown or two. And it's a good matchup. Obviously, he just crushed Atlanta a couple weeks ago. He's going to face them again. They struggled defensively. But the only drawback here is that if you start Taysom Hill, you're starting a fantasy quarterback or a quarterback. You could just say that a quarterback 
who has never thrown an NFL touchdown pass. He has never thrown one in the playoffs or the regular season, Crazy. never. And that's what you're starting uh, in your quarterback slot. So you're really hoping on a lot of uh, a lot of rushing production. Maybe maybe he does finally squeeze in that first passing touchdown. Uh, but again, for me, more of a borderline QB one, not a must start. Well, I think it's pretty safe to say that Sean Payton, looking forward to the day that Drew Brees and those 11 cracked, broken ribs finally heal and he's able to get back on an NFL field. Mike, thank you very much for doing this. Always love having you as part of our show, and have a great night. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. Thank you very much. That is Mike Clay from ESPN, one of the best in the business, and making his debut, a man with a very bright future at TSN. He is Luke Bellis, and a key contributor, a key contributor for TSN Edge. He's going to make his debut on the program. Coming up. What a selection of music from Al's brother. I don't know if he's talking about his gambling selections or something off the gambling field, but, you know, nonetheless, love, I don't know, you know, Al's brother's giving me a weird look on our Zoom call. I apologize, Al's brother. I was uncalled for, and I love you. Another man I love, especially his work and contribution to TSN Edge, is our next guest making his debut on the program. He is Luke Bellis. What is up, Luke? How are you? Not too bad, Aaron. How you doing? We're doing great here, my man, and it's a pleasure to have you as part of the show. Wanted to do this for quite a while. You guys are doing an amazing job on TSN.ca through all these social channels, and it's great to have your input tonight because Al's brother and I, as you know, we're talking about some of our worst beats. When Al's brother, of course, had the Seattle Seahawks last night, minus six and a half. We know how that worked out with the Carson Wentz Hail Mary and two-point conversion, but I understand you have a bad beat of your own in the college football landscape what's that yeah well i figured as a way for me to introduce myself to the show and uh the people listening it'd be you know good for me to let everyone know how big of a degenerate i could be from time to time and uh a few weeks ago i was sitting at home it was a friday night flipping through the tsn channels and uh ecu was playing cincinnati it was the fourth quarter and ecu was down 32 and me uh looking to make a quick buck and when i looked at the live odds they were plus 35 and a half. And I was thinking, well, there's only 12 minutes left. This should be rather easy. Just got to kind of, you know, hold it here at 32. ECU turns it over. They go down 39. They backdoor it with about 30 seconds left. They score a touchdown when they had no business doing it to cut it to 32. So everything's, you know, peaches and cream right now. Everything's great. Well, they kicked the ball off. And little to my knowledge, it was senior night in Cincinnati. And Cincinnati brings on a running back, senior hasn't seen many snaps. They hand this guy the ball. He hits the hole, takes it 75 yards the other way for a touchdown. Cincinnati wins by 39, and my (laughs) plus 35-and-a-half went out like that. I mean, it's moments like those where you question why we do this to ourselves every single week because it seems like the sports books always win. And in the case of our next subject of conversation, it has been – very much the case. And, of course, I'm talking about the New York Jets, the winless New York Jets, and the conversation all year, will they win a game? Will they go 0-16, be the only, the third team ever, but the 2008 Detroit Lions and the 2017 Cleveland Browns have gone 0-16. Explain exactly how Vegas has laid it out and the odds for the Jets to actually go winless in 2020. Well, so I'm quite surprised with how Vegas has actually 
looking at this with the Jets, and um, I was hoping to get on the show last week and talk about this because I figured last week would be the last opportunity to get them at plus money to go 0-16. I think before their game with the Dolphins, they were going off at about plus 140 to go 0-16. With that loss, they've now dropped in some spots to 115. In other spots, I've seen plus 130. And um, looking at that number, actually, Aaron, it's funny chatting with you. It, it reminded me of a tweet of yours during the Masters it was Saturday okay. afternoon, <laughs> and uh, Dustin Johnson was up a couple shots, and you tweeted out, like, DJ's minus 140 to win this thing. How do I not hammer this right now? And uh, looking at the Jets' schedule, even at plus 115, they have Vegas this weekend. That line's already out. I think they're, they opened at 7.5-point dogs. It's already up to 8. Then they go to Seattle. They go to L.A. I mean, let's be honest. Those aren't games that they're going to win. Then they're home to Cleveland against a, a Browns team that's going to be in the thick of a wild card race because they're probably not going to win that division with the Steelers there. So they're going to need that win. And if those four results go your way, you're walking into week 17, taking on the New England Patriots, which, I mean, I can't get a pulse of this Patriots team one week. They're beating the Ravens. The next week they're, you know, they, uh, they're falling apart. And then this week, you know, miraculously they beat the Cardinals. So that week 17 game for New England could be potentially a playoff game win it and get into the wild card. And, uh, I mean, the Jets, uh, are they even going to be within a touchdown of the number at, uh, with an opening spread for any of those games? I just think being yeah. able to get them still a plus money to lose those five, I, 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 think, I think that's something you got to hammer. Well, and you think about their the offense, and that was the talk of, and for some reason I follow what the New York Jets media is talking about on a weekly basis because I have some interest in this. This is, a, this is unprecedented. It could be the only third team to, to accomplish, I guess the word would be accomplish this feat. But Adam Gase was talking about, oh, our offense, ooh, it's humming now. Everyone's healthy, Sam Darnold and, and Perriman and Mims and Jamison Crowder. Everyone's healthy. You're going to see a lot of improvement. And then they go out and score three points against a quality Miami Dolphins defense. But this is not the 1985 Chicago Bears we're talking about. Putting up three points in that circumstance, embarrassing. Let's talk about the Raiders, who you mentioned were eight-point favorites against the Jets. And the Raiders were the public team heading into their matchup against the Atlanta Falcons last week. End up losing by 37 points. What do you make of the eight-point spread in favor of the Raiders on the road? And it is really hard to see the Jets putting together four quarters. And, I mean, they put together three and a half quarters against the Patriots a couple of weeks ago. But do you give the Jets any chance this week of at least covering the number against the Raiders? Well, I, I think the number probably says more about what Vegas thinks about the Jets. And then I think, you know, a game like that against the Falcons, you maybe even throw that out and say, all right, this was a bit of a one-off, and you're, you're still in the back of your head thinking about that Sunday night game where, you know, well, they had a three-point lead on the Chiefs with about a minute 30 left. Um, you know, Carr and Carr's been good this year. Uh, you know, again, aside from the four turnovers he had the other day and uh, – I can tell you all about that because I had him starting in a fantasy league this week, and uh, that. Uh, mm-hmm. Me too. When, when you're starting, when you're starting Derek Carr and going up against Tyreek Hill and Will Fuller, uh, <laughs> it's not going to go your way. And um, I just think this. I think this. This. This Raiders team actually it was funny with with them playing the Jets. This was the one game I was a little worried about, thinking that this could be the week that the the Raiders stink it up. But I just think with them coming off of a stinker, and. Uh, really badly needing this win now against the Jets. I think they they come out hot and come out often and just probably hammer New York.
Luke Bellis is our guest from TSN Edge, one of their top, or one of our top contributors uh, to the site. And let's talk about, you mentioned underwhelming performances like the Raiders last week. Two teams that had underwhelming performances would include the L.A. Rams, who lost to the Niners as seven-point favorites. And personally, I'm still flabbergasted that the Arizona Cardinals lost to the New England Patriots last week in a perfect weather game. There were no issues at all with New England. It was 12 degrees and sunny, and yet Kyler Murray just didn't show up. What do you make of the Rams as three-point favorites at Arizona in this NFC West showdown? Well, I, I think the Rams and Cardinals are both two really interesting teams. I think uh, what I'm thinking probably more applies to the Cardinals because we've seen the Rams just a couple years ago get to that Super Bowl. The Cardinals just feel like that team that any time that they get a chance to turn the corner now, they fall flat on their face. Right Earlier this year, what was it? It was like a week three loss to the Lions at home last week. They have the game handed to them on a silver platter against the Patriots, and they can't put it together. Um, I think the Rams, that, that game against the 49ers wasn't too surprising. You know, it's a divisional game. Um, 49ers were able to get to golf a lot, and he really wasn't comfortable all game, seemingly. Um, I like the Rams. I have a future on the Rams at 18-1, uh, to 1, I think, that I placed about three weeks ago. Okay. Um, I like the defense. I like McVay. I think they have enough playmakers, despite the, you know enough playmakers, and if they can get the ball out of Goff's hand quick enough, he won't hurt them. Um, so if I, I mean, I haven't really looked into this game too too much, but uh, I would side with with LA bouncing back before I would side with the Cardinals, and I, I think I think Kyler's still a little banged up from uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, his shoulder did not appear to be all the way there. And and there's been a noticeable decrease in running for Kyler Murray. This is a guy who was putting up 60-plus yards, a couple games over 100 earlier in this year. And that dual threat on offense made the Arizona Cardinals, I should say, so potent. And the threat of Kyler just ripping off a huge gain, combined with DeAndre Hopkins in the run game, it was one of the most lethal offenses in the NFL. But with Kyler seemingly staying in the pocket and not... Uh, going for those long runs, it's not the same team, and they'll need a win because they could very well be on the outside looking in with a very difficult schedule down the stretch. Luke, terrific work both on TSN Edge and here on The Edge on radio, and we look forward to having you back on the show again soon. Yeah, appreciate it. Great, uh, great stuff to the show, guys. All right, that is Luke Bellis from TSN Edge. He and the squad... Don Padula, our boy Davis Sanchez, Chris Amberley. The guys do a fantastic job, and I'm sure I'm missing someone. My apologies for that. Al's brother, we're going to call on you for a NFL MVP pick. I know you're a big part of Overdrive, and the debate has been raging between Brian Hayes and Jeff O'Neill. We'll break down the latest odds on Mahomes and Rodgers and Russell Wilson when we return here on The Edge. When you put up 359 yards in the first half passing of an NFL game, generally speaking, people's attentions are peaked. And I think the attention of people around the National Football League has been all over Patrick Mahomes for a number of years now. And this year is no exception. He's having another exquisite season. And exquisite, not really a word that people use to define football players. But in the case of Patrick Mahomes, I think it's especially apropos and the debate, Al's brother, on your program, it's not Grappler Show, it's yours, is 
Russell, no, it's not Russell Wilson. It's Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes. Brian Hayes, the host of Overdrive, is backing Rodgers. And sure, there might be a little bit of bias there. Brian, a Packers fan. But I think he made a very legitimate case over the last two days for Rodgers to be at least considered in the same boat as Patrick Mahomes. Statistically, the case is there without a doubt. But how do you make of uh, this argument, and do you think there's any chance that Rodgers could steal the MVP from Mahomes? It's like you haven't been listening to me the last like three weeks. I've been oh. I've been on the Rodgers train this whole oh, time wow. when we talk about MVP. Okay. Even back when Russell Wilson was the favorite, I was still on the Aaron Rodgers train. What he's been able to do this season with the amount of injuries that he's had to overcome, uh, with with Devontae Adams being out for a long period of time, Alan Lazard was out, uh, Marquez has spent some time out. I think Tunyon uh, it has been a random tight end that he's had to just <laughs> use and has yeah. turned out to to be half decent. Uh, Aaron Jones has spent some time. So I think that Aaron Rodgers has been much more valuable to the Green Bay Packers success. And right when when you take a look at the statistics, they're actually very comparable. Like I'm I'm of the belief I'm with Brian where I think that there is a conversation. It was not a stranglehold open shut case for Patrick Mahomes this past weekend. There still is a conversation. There's still four more weeks of football to play and I think that Rodgers Right now, and especially when we talk about value betting, if I'm laying money, I would rather take the value in Aaron Rodgers than uh, than Patrick Mahomes. So you're talking about laying money. The current odds are as follows for the NFL MVP. Patrick Mahomes is listed at minus 400. So that implies he has an 80% chance, an 80% probability of winning the award. Aaron Rodgers, however, plus 500, and Russell Wilson, who was leading kind of the odds and at least the narrative situation all year as far as the MVP goes, is listed at plus 700. Now, I don't think anyone else can sneak into the mix. I don't care if Big Ben and the Steelers go 16-0. and He's not winning MVP. Derrick Henry of the Titans having an incredible season. He's not winning MVP, nor is Dalvin Cook of the Minnesota Vikings. So you're down to three contenders. If I was to lay a wager, Al's brother, I would bet on Rodgers as well. I think it makes a lot of sense. But just everyone just loves Mahomes, and it's hard not to. The guy in that offense is just so incredible to watch. 30 touchdowns, two picks. I know Rodgers is comparable, but it's pretty clear at this moment Mahomes is the guy. And when you look at the NHL, they have a Ted Lindsay Award, which is the league's best player, voted by the players, and that is the number one player in the league. And I believe that that would be comparable to saying Patrick Mahomes is the best player, but we talk about most valuable, the MVP, the Hart Trophy in the NHL. I believe that Aaron Rodgers deserves to be in that conversation uh, with Mahomes in terms of league MVP in the NFL. And just imagine they used one of their first or second round picks on a guy who actually would help Aaron Rodgers as opposed to sitting on the bench doing nothing this year. Al's brother, let's hit it. Trying to set up your lineup? Who to start, who to keep, and who should take a hike? This is Sit, Start, or Sayonara on the Edge with Aaron Karolnik. That sounds good right here. Sit, Start, or sayonara on the edge, the creation of Al's brother, where we talk some fantasy. And this week, we're going to look towards the rest of the season. It's week 13 coming up. Week 14 is the beginning of the fantasy playoffs. So let's start with quarterback, A.B. We're talking about Tom Brady, Ryan Tannehill, and Matt Ryan. Who are you sitting, who are you starting, and who are you saying adios to? 
Yeah, and, and these these are three really, really solid ones. I had to really think about it. But I think I'm starting Matt Ryan. He's got New Orleans this week, this week, which will be a little bit tough. But then after that, they got the Chargers, the Bucks, and the Chiefs. Three games I expect to have quite high over-unders, which means it'll be high-scoring games, which means more points up for grabs. Plus, you look at Todd Gurley. He's on hell. He's a little banged up. Didn't play last week. Not sure what his status is going forward. So they're going to just start throwing the ball. So I think uh, Matt Ryan's a pretty solid pick there. I'm sitting Tom Brady. I would say sayonara, but I'd like to hold on to them for the following week so I can play him against the Falcons in Week 15, who are giving up the mm-hmm. most fantasy points to QBs this season. I'm saying sayonara to Ryan Tannehill. He's got some good matchups down the stretch, but at the end of the day, we all know what Tennessee's bread and butter is. It's hand the football off to to uh, Derrick Henry, especially now that the snow is coming. Winter is coming, and Ooh. it's time for uh, Derrick Henry to, to really take over that offense. So I'll say sayonara to uh, Ryan Tannehill. You're bringing back bad memories of the final season of Game of Thrones, which was just one of the worst seasons in television history. I still can't believe they made Bran the king. Anyways, maybe that can be discussed at a further episode. I I am uncertain about this because I don't know the status of Julio Jones. We know he missed last week with a hamstring. He is crucial to the Falcons. So I'm going to say sayonara to Matt Ryan with the uncertainty surrounding Julio Jones. I'm starting Tom Brady. We had Mike Clay earlier from ESPN who says the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the most favorable schedule for quarterbacks. I think you could have you could have Tampa in week 14, 15, and 16 in the fantasy playoffs make some huge strides. Let's look at running back, Al's brother. We have Alvin Kamara. Antonio Gibson of the Washington football team, and Austin Eckler, who made quite the return for the Chargers. Now, let me go first here. I loved what I saw from Austin Eckler as far as his usage. A ton of volume, both on the ground and in the passing game. He looked a lot like 2019 Austin Eckler, who made him a borderline first, second-round pick. The uncertainty with Taysom Hill at quarterback and the lack of targets for Alvin Kamara of late make him a complete non-factor. I'm saying sayonara to him, as crazy as it sounds. But without Drew Brees, he's not a reliable option. And I'm going to sit Antonio Gibson, who had an incredible, incredible Thanksgiving Day game, and uh, I think he's going to continue rolling in that Washington offense. How about you? Yeah, I'm also starting Austin Eckler. I'm sitting Alvin Kamara. I just can't say no to him. Uh, I can't do it, despite being RB15 and uh, 29 the past couple weeks. I'm saying sayonara to Gibson. He's a talented player, but when you give me those other two, he just becomes the odd man out. And let's wrap with wide receivers very quickly. Brandon Cooks, who's going to see an uptick for sure without Will Fuller. Uh, We have Calvin Ridley of the Atlanta Falcons and Mike Evans of the Bucks. How are you ranking those three? I'm starting Calvin Ridley. You know, I've again projected to be high scoring games, so lots of points up for grabs. Uh, I'm sitting Mike Evans. There's just a lot of mouths to feed there. Uh, And it's an incredibly generous schedule down the stretch too for him and I'm saying sayonara to Brandon Cooks just don't like that offense plus you look at their schedule they got Indy twice Chicago and Cincinnati so not a very good uh, matchup for Brandon Cooks in the Houston offense down the stretch yeah and also keep in mind the weather plays a big factor so if you're evaluating fantasy performances and their potential think about the possibility of playing in inclement weather and what that can do to a fantasy performer week to week I'm Aaron Korolnik. He's Al's brother. Been another pleasure. Episode 21, already 21 of The Edge. Been a pleasure to bring it to you. Thank you for all of our guests for joining us. We'll be back on Friday night here on The Edge.